Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. What a wonderful song and wonderful truth this morning. Take your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And uh, Brother Paul, I'm getting some feedback that I did not have this morning. And I don't know what that is, but if you could help us with that this morning, that'd be a blessing. And uh, we are looking at essential Christianity And uh, let me start by saying uh, all the times that I complained about people sleeping in services, I don't know if you'll ever hear another pastor complain about somebody sleeping in a service as long as their body is there, amen? And uh, I am tired of preaching to a camera, uh, and I am so glad to have live bodies and uh, smiling bodies uh, in front of me this morning. Uh, but I'm, I'm so delighted and uh, so honored that you would take time these last couple weeks to worship with us online and to be a part of those services. That was a huge blessing. And I appreciate Brother Tim Smith and all the work that he and uh, others put into making those available for us, uh, getting them out in a timely manner. And, and you think I, sometimes it's difficult if you're not familiar with media and live stream and different things like that. Um, it's, it's very difficult to understand the time that goes into that. Uh, For instance, I'll take hours to study for a message, uh, preach that to a camera, uh, but Brother Tim has a few hours then that he takes that and he puts into that, making it available for you. You never see that, uh, but I'm sure grateful for that. Let's give him a hand this morning and uh, just as a, a hand clap of gratitude for that. This series of Essential Christianity has been fun for me. I just call it that. It has been fun. Uh, it has been very helpful uh, for me as well in study, and I do pray that it is a blessing to you as we've looked at essential things in the Christian's life, things that need to be uh, seen in our lives. Uh, gratitude. Isn't gratitude such a necessary thing today? You know what God's people ought to hear this afternoon? God, thank you for allowing us to assemble this morning. And God ought to get much praise, much gratitude, much thankfulness from believers this morning because we were able to gather uh, here in the auditorium together. Gratitude is, is most certainly essential, uh, essential, faith. Forgetting all, I trust him. Believing God is who he says he is will do the things that he said he will do. And may our faith increase. Maybe there's one this morning that has no faith. I pray today you'd have little faith. If you have little faith today, I pray that little faith would become great faith. And may others see our faith, our firm reliance on God. And then hope. Hope was very encouraging to me. Uh, this, This matter of a firm confidence in the coming of Christ, a firm confidence in eternity and heaven. You know, and it separates Uh, The Christian's mindset and the world's mindset is the fact that you and I have something to hope for. And not like, I I sure hope it's coming. I really doubt it'd take place, but it'd be really nice if it did. No, a a firm confidence that one day we'll spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. We'll see God our Father. We have have a a wonderful hope. And as we've looked uh, now uh, last week and then this week again on the subject matter of love. Uh, I enjoyed this week the devotions uh, from the staff men, and uh, what a wonderful encouragement it was uh, Monday to start with Tim and then to walk through the different guys and um, to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I know Brother Mike, uh, for our online service, will be uh, finishing verse number 8 for us and concluding that. I'm looking forward to uh, listening online tonight with that. 
But it's been a joy to hear uh, what love is. A little side note, uh, this passage specifically is special uh, to me. Uh, I know um, I had saved uh, the word love for one person. And uh, I had asked the Lord uh, when when I was dating in high school and college, Lord, Lord, would you help me save that word love uh, for the person that I'm going to marry? That word love is thrown out too easily these days. And, uh, you know, usually uh, kids on their first day, oh, I love you. I'm just so in love with you. Hogwash. You don't know what love is yet. Uh, but um, I wanted to save that word love for the person uh, that the Lord would have me to marry. And, boy, I was dating a good one. And a really good one. And I was ready to tell her that I loved her. And so just like uh, any young man studying for ministry, I decided to write a sermon uh, to this young lady that I was going to tell uh, I loved her. And uh, so I I remember uh, Mary and I were up on top of the Michigan uh, Lakeshore sand dunes. And uh, we had a blanket spread out. We were watching the sunset there. Uh, coming down on Lake Michigan, and yes, I opened my Bible. Yes, I opened my Bible, and uh, I, I told uh, Mary, my girlfriend at the time, I said, I, I want to say some special words to you that I've reserved uh, for, ju- for just one person. I've never told uh, another, young la- another young lady this. I wanted to save them uh, for one person, and before I say these special words, I want to tell you what I mean when I say them. And I walked through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, and uh, explained what I believed each one of those men. And with that, uh, as what I believe love means, Mary, I love you. And the church said, aww, right? It's just a special passage. Uh, when you look at Scripture, there's so much about this matter of agape love, a love that loves without changing, a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. How many uh, understand that many times people want to love as long as they're loved back, right? I will give you my love if you give me your love in return. That is not this agape love that we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. It's a love that gives and loves because it wants to. It's a love that can reach past mistakes and reach past failures and uh, even uh, love those who are unlovable and unappealing. It loves because it desires to love. And love is essential. I want you to look there at 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13 this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for those who have gathered here this morning. Father, from kids to adults and and everybody in between, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to assemble. And it is our prayer that your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts this morning. 
Father, as the preacher, I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill me in a special way, just as I believe he did in study. Father, I pray, I recognize my inadequacies, I recognize where I fall short, and I recognize that this morning in delivering this truth, I need help. So Father, would you help me? And then each one of us, as we listen, would you make application to our hearts and lives? Would you help us better understand, better grasp, and better practice this agape love that we find here in this passage of Scripture? And Father, when you do that, we'll be sure to give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it, because you deserve all of it. In the name of your son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. As I began this quest last week to prepare uh, a sermon and now two sermons on the subject matter of love, it led me to look at numerous passages that we find in Scripture. The well of Scripture about this matter of love is a much deeper well than I ever expected. God's word talks a lot about love. If you were to pick up any one of my Bibles, uh, you would find at the very beginning before Genesis 1, uh, the words, to Steve. If you scroll over, if you flip over to Revelation chapter 22, at the end of the very last verse there, you would find from God. You say, Pastor, why do you put that in there? Because this book is literally God's love letter to me. It's God's love letter to you. The whole Bible is filled with passages about love. Jesus spoke about love. He said so many wonderful things, uh, so many powerful statements on the subject. There in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he said, Ye have heard it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. He says, culture tells us that we ought to love those around us, but we ought to hate uh, those who stand against us, our enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. When asked about the greatest commandment, he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, just in case you wanted to know, is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All those Old Testament laws, you boil them down, you melt them down to the very base, and you're going to find love. All the law hung on these. There at midnight, as he met with Nicodemus, we find recorded in John chapter 3, Uh, He gives us one of the most quoted passages in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world. Towards the end of his earthly ministry. Right before he tells Peter that Peter's going to uh, deny him three different times. uh, Jesus says there in John chapter 13 verse number 34. A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. It wasn't a new commandment in the sense of loving one another. That had been said. But Jesus gave the parameters of our love. He said, I want you to love those around you as I, Jesus, have loved you. Verse number 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye love one another. You see, the defining thing about your Christianity is not your church attendance. Though I'm glad you're here at church today. The defining mark of of your Christian faith, you being a follower of Christ, is not your knowledge in Scripture, though I pray you have a great knowledge in Scripture. 
The defining mark of your Christianity, the defining mark of your spirituality, the defining mark of you being a follower of Christ, have you learned to love those around you? Paul could not get away from this subject of love as he wrote to the different churches. We find in Romans chapter five, he wrote to uh, there the believers in Rome, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news this morning? If you're sitting there not knowing Jesus Christ as your personal savior, not knowing if you would spend eternity in heaven, God loved you so much he wanted to show it to you in such a way that while you were a sinner, and boy, we are sinners, right? Christ died for us. There in Romans chapter 13, verse number eight, he says, oh, no man anything but to love one another. There's some wisdom in not having debts and being careful uh, how you get indebted. But there is a debt that you owe this morning. There's a debt that every single one of you owe this morning. You owe a debt to each other to love each other. We all have this debt. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Obviously, the Holy Spirit used Paul to write here to the church at Corinth and 1 Corinthians. And there in chapter 16, he says this, let all things be done with charity. So the church at Galatia, he writes, for brethren, ye have been called into liberty, only use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ephesians To the church at Ephesus, he writes in chapter 3, verse number 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth all all knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. We could go on and on with Paul in the epistles about different uh, verses on love, and then we could go to First and Second Peter, and we could uh, look at the book of James, and we could look at First, Second, and Third John, as John wrote about the subject matter of love. There's so much in God's Word that talks about love, and as much as I would have loved to preach from any of those verses that we just quoted and just looked at, and I wanted to preach from those verses, the Holy Spirit always brought me back here to finish out 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this morning. We come back to our text and look again with me at verse number nine. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. If you look up this passage between different Bible scholars, you find that many of them take verses 9 through 12 and put it almost in a separate category than love. And they define it out, and I've read it, and I understand what they're trying to say. I just would like to believe that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that the Holy Spirit, through Paul, is addressing this matter of love from verse number 1 all the way down to verse number 13. 
from verse 1 down to 13 and everything in between all guides us and directs us in this matter of love. And so with that being our context this morning, I'd like to share a few statements as we look at these verses. Look at verse number 9 with me. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Let me say, first of all, this morning, we don't have the full picture. We don't have the full picture. Uh, how many out there, you enjoy putting together puzzles? Anybody like that? And uh, quite a few. There was actually more this morning uh, that were puzzle people in the 9 o'clock than the 11 o'clock. And uh, I, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of, of putting together puzzles, but we have put together some. You know what the most annoying thing about putting together a puzzle? You get down to the very last few pieces and you find out that one is missing. Isn't that awful? I mean, there's a top 10 worst things that could happen to you in life. On the top 10 is not having the last piece of the puzzle that you worked on. What happens to that puzzle? I don't know what happens in your house, but I know in my house it hits the trash. That puzzle's no good, it's not complete. There's not a full picture. Paul says this, for now we know in part and we prophesy in part. You see, when it comes to this agape love, you and I don't have yet all the pieces to the puzzle. We know in part and we prophesy or preach in part. Your best knowledge this morning of agape love is still in part. If we took all the wisdom in this room, all the Bible knowledge in this room and, and put it all together, what you understood about love, what I understood about love, what this section understood about love, and, and we put it all together and we all sat there and listened to it, I want to tell you this morning, church, it is still in part. The most knowledgeable in the room this morning, I, I think Paul was pretty knowledgeable, amen? And Paul says even in his life, I know in part. I do not have full comprehension. As the songwriter wrote, could we think the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and how pure. Your knowledge, my knowledge of God's love is but in part. Not only that, your best prophecy or foretelling of agape love is still in part. It's still in part. I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Williams last night for a little bit. Sure enjoyed our conversation and I was sharing with him uh, briefly. He needed the sermon twice, so I gave him half of the sermon yesterday and I'm glad he's here to get the rest of it this morning. But we were talking about this matter of love and, and, and Doc said, Pastor, pastor, boy, I, I, I've heard numerous sermons on love. I've read numerous sermons on love, and I've got to get this book for you. 
I've got this book, and it just, I want you to just read one chapter. It's a book of men in the past who have preached different sermons. And there's this man, I forget his name, but he preached this sermon on love. And it's contained in one of those chapters. And pastor, it is the most incredible message that I have ever heard on love. He said he was going to bring that book today. Share it with me and allow me to look at that chapter. And let me say for Dr. Williams and for the rest of us, This message that I look forward to reading, even the best of the best of the prophecy and foretelling of the agape love is still in part. It's still in part. I mentioned, think of Paul's knowledge about the subject and how far past it is than us that he would record scripture like Romans chapter number 8. We look at Romans chapter number eight, and I think of uh, Paul through the inspirational Holy Spirit writing about the love of God says this, what shall we say to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he then not freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, is even at the right hand of the throne of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Then Paul goes on to say there in verse number 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sakes we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep For the slaughter, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature should separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a Lord! What a God! What a love! And it's still just a part. It's still just a part. Look there with me at verse number 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. One day, I am not going to have to preach to you about this subject. One day, I'm not going to have to tell you what I believe agape love is. One day, you will see it. Or should I say it this way? One day, you are going to see him. You're going to see him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8, we are confident, I say, willing or rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 1 John chapter 3, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There in verse number 12 of our text passage, for now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Glass is much different today than it was when Paul was writing. Glass uh, has made many changes. 
you and I, if somebody were putting windows in our house, if there was a fog, if there was a mist, if there was imperfections in that window, what would we do? Send it back. Well, I want, I want my window, I want to be able to see clearly everything that's outside, right? Last, when's the last time you bought a mirror that was distorted? I'm not talking about what you saw in the mirror, I'm talking about the mirror. You want a mirror that's going to show you what, you, what, what it looks, what's there. But, but back then, glass was different. They didn't have the purity that we have in our glass. They would have windows, but the windows you'd see darkly out of. The word darkly here in the Greek is the same word we get the word obscure. It would skew the picture. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying, even in my knowledge, in my wisdom, I look out the glass and it's obscure. I see darkly. I don't see, I don't see the agape love of God like it really is. Paul says, I know in part, but one day I'm going to know, even as also I am known. I am going to see God as clearly as God sees me. Look there with me at verse number 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The more spiritually mature you are, the more that you and I focus on what God focuses on. You know, there's nothing wrong with acting childish if you're a child, right? There's a certain level that we expect from a child than we do from an adult. Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. As we grow, there are some things that matter more than others. There's some responsibilities that we get. There's some things that we need to pay attention to. Paul says here to the Corinthians, you got to remember, the Corinthians, they valued speaking in tongues. They emphasized the gift of prophecy. They emphasized how much uh, you knew, your, your knowledge. These things were held up as high regard. Uh, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy and your knowledge. Spiritual gifts were desired and sought after by these Corinthian Christians. It's not that these things were bad or these things should have been forsaken. By the way, they are gifts from the Spirit. They are good things. But what, what was Paul saying? If, we were more, if we're more focused on spiritual gifts and performing spiritual gifts rather than our exercise of faith and hope and love, we're missing it. If we care more about these things when we do about these things, then we've not yet become spiritually mature. Paul is trying to get us to look out into eternity and into the very heart of God. God is love, and God desires that his love be manifested in our lives by our loving other people. Look with me at verse number 13, and now abideth faith, hope, 
charity, these three. The three great pursuits of this life are not health, wealth, and wisdom. Now, I know so many, boy, if I could just have those three things, right? If I could just be healthy. If I, if I could just have wealth. If I just have a little bit of money. If, if I could have wisdom. Boy, th those three things, pastor, aren't they wonderful things in which we should obtain health and wealth and wisdom? By the way, the three great pursuits of this life are also not miracles, powers, and gifts which is what the Corinthians were struggling with. They were holding miracles, they were holding prophecy, they were holding spiritual gifts as uh, the most attainable. The more gifts, spiritual gifts I can have, the better off I am as a person, as a believer. You see, none of those things abide. How many understand this morning that health doesn't abide? It's fleeting. I'm sure you could attest, like I could, that wealth doesn't abide, amen? Goes in as fast as it goes out as fast as it comes in, right? I know with four kids it does. Uh, wisdom. At some point you die. At some point somebody else comes along that knows more than you do. Those things don't abide. Our great pursuit as believers should not be health and wealth and wisdom. Our great pursuit as believers should be faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. I know they're not flashy. It's not power. It's not spiritual gifts. It's not great wisdom. But it's the very heart of God in our pursuits. What is your Christian life focused on? What do you really want more of? It should all come back to God give me more faith, God give me more hope, and God give me more love. If it doesn't, we need to concentrate on God's priorities. We need to reset our focus back to him. Is there one of these three things that stick out above the rest? Well, let's look there at verse 13. And now by the faith, hope, Charity, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Charity. Oh, there's three things, faith, hope, and charity, but uh, the Holy Spirit said, just in case you want to know which one is more important than the rest, the greatest of these is charity. Why? Because charity is, will abide forever. One day, you and I aren't going to need faith. By the way, that's a wonderful day. One day we're not going to need faith. Why? Because we'll be with him. My faith will become sight. I can't wait for that day. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when I take him by the hand, leads me in the promised land. What a day! What a day that'll be. I won't need faith anymore. Amen. By the way, I'm not going to need hope anymore either. That firm belief I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. My hope is found in Jesus. He's going to be right there in front of me. 
I'm not going to need hope anymore. But love? God is love. It is this defining attribute and for all eternity. He will love us. We will love him and our love for each other will be perfected. Love will always be present. Now, fortunately, we don't need to choose between faith, hope, and charity here on earth. All three of those are essential. We need faith, we need hope, we need charity. But Paul is emphasizing here in this passage that without love as our motive and our goal, all those other things lose their value. Uh, The spiritual gifts of tongue and prophecy, wisdom and, and knowledge, faith, extreme generosity, extreme sacrifice, all are nothing, absolutely nothing without love. We look back at verse number one of our text passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am what? Nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. You see, all those things that you and I would attain for, that we would strive for, are nothing if we have not learned to practice this matter of agape love. You can be very special. You can be gifted. You can be talented. You can be knowledgeable. You can be wise. You can be wealthy. You can be beautiful. You can be faithful. You can be impressive. But without love, you've missed the mark. Without love, you've missed the very heart and mind of our God. So I ask you this morning, how is your love? How is your love? A son or daughter, how well do you love mom and dad? Hey, older son and older daughter, how well do you love mom and dad? Hey, brother and sister, how well do you love your sibling? Husband and wife, are you showing this love to your spouse? Child of God, how well do you love your brother and sister in Christ? Church, how well do you love each other? Hey, Christian, how well do you love your neighbor? Do we need to work on this essential matter of Christianity? Do we need to work on our love? I don't know about you. I do. Oh, to grasp, understand, and practice this agape love we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me say this, God loves you. Not because you deserve it, not because of your works, not because of things that you've done. He loves you in spite of the fact that you're a sinner just like me. That you've done things wrong and things against him, he loves you despite all of that. And his love is so great for you that he sent his son Jesus to die for you on a cross. So you didn't have to spend eternity in hell, but you could live forever with him in heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And maybe you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You've never yet experienced this love, you've never been saved, and this morning I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Head bowed and eyes closed this morning.